Please remain standing and turn your Bibles, please, to 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings 9. We'll work through the whole uh, chapter, but in the interest of time, we will not read all 37 verses right now. We will uh, begin with verse uh, 1 to 13 and then skip to verse 30 for our reading. Verse 1, And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready, take this flask of oil in your hand, and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee, and do not delay. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting. And he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. The dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. Then Jehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, You know the man and his babble. And they said, A lie. Tell us now. So he said, Thus and thus spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it up under him on top of the step, and they blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. Now turn to verse 30. And when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. And when he'd gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman and bury her for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore they came back and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be his refuse on the surface of the field in the plot at Jezreel. So that they shall not say, Here lies Jezebel. May God add His richest blessing to the reading of this portion of His holy word. Will you pray with me, please, 
Again, our Father, we're thankful that you have spoken to us and we pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and speak to us now, that we would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts, and that hearing his voice, his sheep may know him and follow him and offer our hearts to him promptly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Comeuppance. The original definition of comeuppance back in the 1800s was, quote, a deserved rebuke or penalty. Deserts. According to the Oxford Dictionary of today, it means, quote, a punishment for something bad that you have done that other people feel you really deserve. In this passage, Jezebel gets her comeuppance. Though he is dead, Ahab begins to get his comeuppance. It carries over into the next chapter. It's payback time. The message of this scripture is that the Lord is the ultimate avenger. Now in our time, the word avenger conjures up Thor and Captain America, Iron Man, et al., but an avenger is one who takes vengeance, one who exacts retribution. The Lord said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Deuteronomy 32 35, quoted by the Apostles Paul, Romans 12, 19. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. The Lord keeps his word. And here, in these passages, we see how exact he is in the revenge he takes. Let's look at it. First in this passage, we see the relentless word of the Lord. The relentless word of the Lord. Look at verse 1. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now when you arrive at the place, look there for Jehu the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, And go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I've anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. Now, some years have passed. But if you remember all the way back to Elijah, when he challenged the priests of Baal on Mount Carmel, and the Lord rained down fire from heaven, And then you remember Jezebel threatened Elijah. And then the Lord appeared to Elijah and that still small voice, not the earthquake or the whirlwind of the fire. But the Lord there in 1 Kings 19 had given Elijah instructions The Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. 
Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint his prophet in your place. 1 Kings 19, 17, the Lord said this to Elijah, it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Now, this word that the Lord gave to Elijah years ago is here being fulfilled. Haziel has become king over Syria. He's fought Israel and wounded Joram at Ramoth Gilead. Now, Joram, that's the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, he's been taken to Jezreel to recover from his wounds. Now, as the Lord said to Elijah, Jehu is about to become king of Israel and he will finish the job on Joram. Just as the Lord had said to Elijah, Jehoram or Joram escaped the sword of Haziel, king of Syria. He was wounded, but he didn't die. But now Jehu will polish him off. So Elisha sends one of the sons of the prophets, one of his assistants, to go to Ramoth Gilead and anoint Jehu king. Jehu was commander of the army. Ramoth Gilead was the site of the battle. Jehu is still there with the army while the king has retreated to Jezreel in convalescence. So the prophet goes to see Jehu. He's there with his lieutenants. The prophet and Jehu go inside and he privately anoints Jehu king of Israel. Look at verse 7, what he says to him, what the prophet says to Jehu. You shall strike down the house of Ahab your master that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. The dogs shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. So anointing king tells him, you're going to kill off the house of Ahab and Jezebel. And then he leaves. And after the prophet tears out of there, Jehu emerges from the house. And the officers basically say to him, what did that crazy fool say to you? And Jehu said, you know that babbler anointed me king? Now clearly the army, like Jehu, a whole lot better than Joram because soon, as soon as he told them the prophet anointed him king, that prophet shot up from a madman and liar to a genius in about 0.5 seconds. 
They go from saying that prophet was a liar to proclaiming Jehu king. And they set out to Jezreel to fulfill the word of the Lord. You see, it took a while, but the Lord kept his promise to bring vengeance. There's a day of vengeance coming. And the scripture says, and I quote, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Scoffers. And God's not going to do anything to me. He's had years. He ain't coming. This they willfully forget. That by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition. That's a fancy word for hell. Of ungodly Men. Scoffers say, oh, the judgment, the promise, judgment must not be coming. It's not here yet. He's had plenty of time. God told Elijah that he would get the house of Ahab. In years past, Elijah was taken up to heaven. And two kings passed Ahab. The Lord keeps his word in very minute detail. What he says, he will do. His word is relentless. The relentless word of the Lord. Secondly, in this passage, we see the precise judgment of the Lord. The precise judgment of the Lord. Now, they're in time to go through all the details of how it unfolded, but look at how Joram does in fact go down. Look at verse 21. Then Joram said, Make ready. And his chariot was made ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu and met him on the property of Naboth the Jezreelite. Now it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. Then Joram turned around and fled and said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah. Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Jehoram between his arms and the arrow came 
out at his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, his captain, pick him up and throw him in the tract of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember, when you and I were riding together behind Ahab his father, that the Lord laid his burden upon him. Surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, says the Lord, and I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now therefore take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. The very spot of Naboth's vineyard. You remember the story. Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. This was a long time ago. Ahab wanted it for a garden spot, offered to buy it. But Naboth was a righteous man, and he knew the law of Moses prohibited selling what the Lord gave your family in the promised land for an inheritance, except in the most dire circumstances. So he turned down his offer. Abraham, uh, Ahab went home and had a pity party. Jezebel comes in, finds him sulking, and she takes the wheel, hatches a conspiracy, solicits false witnesses to testify against Naboth, and has him executed on bogus charges and kills off all his descendants so his land has no rightful heir, and so Ahab can take it. It's one of the most enraging stories in all the Bible. Well, now, on that very spot of land, the dead carcass of Ahab's son is thrown. Fascinating how he even got there. Jehu called Joram's mother, Jezebel, a harlot and a witch. And it was true. But nevertheless, most men will defend their mother's honor, no matter how bad she is. But when he calls his mother a harlot and a witch, he gets scared and runs. And doesn't seem they have to take him too far to get him to Naboth's vineyard to dispose of his carcass. But you remember that Ahaziah, the king of Judah. Now, we've been talking about the northern kingdom of Israel where Ahab and Jezebel had ruled. But we saw last time that the Ahaziah, king of Judah to the south, is also kin to Ahab through his mother. So he has to go too. But he comes from Jehoshaphat. He is descended from David on his father's side. Now Ahaziah had gone to Jezreel, where all this takes place, to visit Joram, on his, on his sickbed, recovering from his battle wounds. So Ahaziah is there, and Jehu kills him too. But he gets different treatment in death. Look at verse 28. 
And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. You see, even in death, the Lord is just down to the last detail in his treatment of the bodies. Joram, who is a pure-blooded descendant of Ahab and Jezebel, he's thrown into Naboth's vineyard to be eaten by the buzzards. The very spot where his parents stole from an innocent man they conspired to murder. But Ahaziah, Though through his mother he's kin to these wicked people, he's nevertheless a royal descendant of David with whom God had made a covenant. And therefore, in his death, Ahaziah is carried back to Jerusalem to be buried with his fathers. We see the precise, exacting justice of the Lord. He has Joram killed in the exact spot of Ahab and Jezebel's injustice. And he gives both Joram and Ahaziah the appropriate burials. Even things we may think are insignificant. The Lord is very detail-oriented and exacting in his judgment. So we see the relentless word of the Lord. We see the precise judgment of the Lord. And thirdly and finally in this passage, we see the gory victory of the Lord. The gory victory of the Lord. Look at verse 30. Now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard it. Let's just read over this this final passage and, and enjoy it. When Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murder of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. Some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. And when he'd gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore, they came back and told him, and he said... This is the word of the Lord which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuse on the surface of the field in the plot at Jezreel, so they shall not say, Here lies Jezebel. This really speaks for itself. Jezebel was as wicked as anyone in the Bible. She had dedicated herself, if you recall, to the extermination of the Lord's true prophets, the extinction of the true religion of Judaism, 
and making Baalism the state religion of Israel. She thought nothing of killing innocent common people like Naboth and many righteous prophets. Now she's dead and eaten by dogs. And our reaction to her death should be much the same as Jehu. We should step over her carcass and go in and get a bite to eat while the dogs get theirs. That's a good thing. I won't quote Dr. Davis from his commentary, but the title of his commentary on this chapter says it all. Joy to the world, the queen is dead. God is a God of vengeance. Let me read you what God says is going to happen at the end of the world. Revelation 19, verse 11 and following. Now I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both Small and great. That's going to happen to all the enemies of God. They will get theirs just like Jezebel got hers. There's a comeuppance coming. Are you prepared for that day? It'll be a gory day. It'll be a bloody day. But it'll be a good day. It'll be a day of exacting justice. No stone will be left unturned. No wrong not righted. All sins naked and exposed. 
You ready for that day? There's an avenger coming on that day. But you know the avenger himself, Jesus Christ, the one who will, it says we read, he'll throw his enemies like grapes in a wine press and trample them till the blood rises. To the height of the withers on a horse. The avenger himself already came once. And on another gory day of exacting justice, he went to the cross and shed his own blood for the sins of all his people. Justice will be done. Every single sin will be paid in eternal fire and blood. It will either be us in hell or Jesus on the cross. The day of wrath, of vengeance is coming. But there is a place of safety where the wrath has already fallen 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.